Hi, my name's Hudson and I'm a geoholic. Hello, geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. Let's take a moment today to discuss a few prolific technologies that often get mixed up in the world of geospatial mapping. These technologies are radar, sonar, and lidar. While similar in theory and practice, these tools are very different scientifically speaking, and maybe most importantly to the average geoholic, often used for different applications. What then are the similarities and differences between these techs? Starting with probably the most famous of the three, radar, or radio detection and ranging, is a system that uses radio waves to measure the distance angle and radial velocity of objects relative to their original location. Dating back to the late 1800s, scientists around the world were studying how radio waves reflected off solid objects. By the time World War II started, many countries around the world were testing how radar could track airplanes in the sky. In today's geospatial world, radar is still being used to map out large, remotely sensed areas. One common airborne radar application is called SAR, or Synthetic Aperture Radar. How then is radar and sonar different? The difference is the use of radio waves or sound waves to detect the object. While radio signals propagate well in the air, that is not the case with H2O. Thus, sonar offers a great way to map objects out underneath the water surface. Lastly, LIDAR also remotely senses objects in the distance, except this time with beams of light. LIDAR is currently being used in many applications including 3D scanning and driverless cars. Additionally, new bathymetric LIDAR sensors even work well under the water. Whether you pick radar, sonar, or LIDAR, it is important to comprehend that they each use active energy forms to detect and measure distances. Depending on the application, environment, and desired outcomes, understanding each technology and its pros and cons is imperative. Oh, and don't ask me how to spell LIDAR. It seems to be an industry joke these days. I just ask that you stay consistent with the spelling of LIDAR throughout your geospatial document. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Okay, sing with me, sugar. You got it. Here we go. You got your studio. You got your cores light. You got your nails painted black eye. The dirty That's it. We got it. Oh, good lord! I'm a freaking idiot. But what the hell? We're having fun, right? Yes, we are. Absolutely. Last week's episode with uh, Maverick Bowen is absolutely crushing it. Uh, thanks again for your time, Travis. That was awesome. Uh, real quick, I've got to give one of our friends of the program a quick shout out. The folks at Carlson Software, specifically Eric Wesley, are 
amazing to work with. They're incredible. Not only is their suite of software the best in the market, in my opinion, but they're just flat out good people that put their customers first. So thanks, Carlson. Absolutely. Absolutely. For your support of the show. And uh, thanks, Eric, for uh, just being awesome. I would agree. He absolutely helped us out today. It was amazing. Okay, intro to this week's cast of characters here in studio. We have uh, our, our latest, newest permanent producer, Sugar Sean Faber, hello, geotech hello. engineer, extraordinary, extraordinary, aka voice of reason. Sugar Sean, the voice of reason, is here. How are you today, my friend? I am outstanding today, actually. Uh, had a little rough morning, but a yeah. solid, solid afternoon, and uh, yeah. I feel good. I'm very, very excited to be here. It's nice when the day rebounds like that, right? It was, it was going south, and actually what helped is I just grabbed my crap and I left. Yeah. Took a little oh, drive. That helps. Talk to some fresh faces. It uh, it helped really change the dynamic of the day. I can't did, say that. Did you have a conversation with yourself? Uh, I did. I did. And it was a lot of self-reflection and a little bit of meditation while driving. And uh, at the end, I felt a lot better. That and is awesome. Said. That is awesome. Glad to hear. So one thing I want to mention that I have done recently for the first time, I've talked about doing it for a while, but have just now taken the plunge, literally, uh, cold plunge. Have you guys, are you familiar with this? I've heard of this. Yes. It is, I am addicted at this point. I bought a membership to the cold plunge club or oh, whatever the place. hell you call you it. go yes. and dip in the, the tub? Well, yeah. this is, they have like a circuit. So first of all, it's called uh, Reset free plug don't get used to it so what happens is you show up and there's like these stations let's say so one station is like this compression station so you put these things on and it does like compression whether it be on your legs your arms your torso whatever for about 10 minutes and it feels incredible when you're done and then you go from that to the infrared sauna which i've never been in an infrared sauna before unbelievable unbelievable you're in there for like 10 12 minutes and you're sweating like you did in 40 minutes in an, the old school sauna. You know what I mean? Wow. It's incredible. It's super intense. And then you jump into, well, jump. I guess the pros jump. I slide into the cold plunge where the water is 42 <laughs> degrees. Wow. What a shock to the system. And it's like the first time I did, it's like, I couldn't catch my breath. I'm like, <gasps> I, and, and you know, the guy's like, just settle down, you know, lower your heart rate, blah, blah, blah. And it took about three minutes, honestly, for my wait, heart wait. rate. He told you to lower your heart rate. Like you can, can you do that by thinking about it? Yeah. Yeah. By breathing. It's just breathing. Okay. All so right. then, right. then once you like get your heart heartbeat heartbeat lowered, it's almost like you're in the Zen state. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, you're not feeling anything. And it's like such, it messes with your mind. It's, it's just the craziest thing. So you do that for like, whatever, five minutes and you jump into the jacuzzi, which is like 120 degrees or whatever. So your body gets that shock. And then you do that for five minutes and you jump back into the cold tub. And this time when you get in the cold tub, you can't even feel it. It's like your no body way. is like numb to it. Yeah, because I no thought for way. sure when you went from the hot tub to the cold tub, I'm like, this is going to be worse than the first time. You don't even feel it. You just slide right in. It's like, it's the craziest thing. And then afterwards, it's just like, and I know why they call it reset, because they're saying it's like resetting, you know, your body, your mind and everything like that. And I love it. I love it. I highly recommend it for those of you out there. That was a long story about yes, my it, cold yes, plunge really thing. Was. But um, hopefully it was somewhat entertaining. The other thing is I saw the Roadrunner, the movie Roadrunner, the Anthony uh, Bourdain movie. Have you guys seen that? No. No, no, no. How was it? Uh, amazing. Amazing. I love that guy. Absolutely love him. What a story he has. It's a shame what happened to him. Yeah. Took his own life. Unfortunate. But uh, I saw uh, The Bad Guys because I have a five-year-old daughter and Ooh. it was actually pretty pretty entertaining interesting yeah 
Yeah. What was that one about? Bad guys? Bad guys. Okay. That, that <laughs> turned good, basically. Fair enough. Uh, Sugar Sean, tell us about that opening number. Uh, believe it or not, that was the Black Moods, a song called Big Time. Uh, Black Moods were born in the Arizona desert and reared on stages across North America. The Black Moods deliver a modern update of a timeless sound, breathing fresh life into a familiar mix of electric guitars, anthemic hooks, and percussive stomp. The Black Moods' three members, frontman guitarist Josh Kelly, drummer Chico Diaz, and bassist Jordan Hoffman, aren't looking to reinvent the wheel. Instead, they're piling into a vehicle that's existed for decades, souping up up the engine to suit their contemporary needs and steering those wheels toward their own rock and roll horizon. Do yourself a favor and check out their latest release, excuse me, latest release into the night, which is where you'll feel, which you'll, which you'll feel uh, fine big time <laughs> along with a n- number of others that will be in the top 40 rock songs soon. Oh man, I will take uh, credit for some of those mistakes. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm Ron Burgundy. If it is written incorrectly, I will read it incorrectly. Yeah, the only correction I have, I think you said Josh Kelly and it's Josh Kennedy. Jo- uh, you are man. correct. It is Josh Kennedy, the front man. And I wouldn't even correct that, but I know you if know, he listens to this yes, and yes. he hears that, he's going to be sending me a message like, what the fuck? Sorry, Josh. Sorry, Josh. But I am a uh, absolute huge fan of these guys and have been for probably about eight years. And they are destined for fame and fortune. Trust me. So it's just a matter of time before they break out. It's like like a powder keg waiting to explode. And uh, I, I just can't wait to be a part of it, to be honest with you. And hopefully here in the next three weeks or so, um, we're going to have them on the show. Wow. Uh, the cool thing is that we'll have to go to their studio in Tempe and record. Um, and it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be great. Here we are at the Diamondback Landsurveying Studio. Uh, one thing I will mention, Trent Keenan has a birthday this week. That's true. I believe it's Friday. So when this comes out, it'll be too late. But if you, <laughs> when it comes out and you hadn't already wished Trent a happy birthday, make sure you ping him a wish happy birthday. I do have a quick plug or shout out, I guess, for Trent Keenan. So this week I was working on a project in Nevada. I mean, I live in Arizona, so it's not really all that common that I would yeah. ever work in Nevada. And I couldn't figure out how to research uh, or how to find a map, right? He literally FaceTimed me and showed me step-by-step step how to find maps in Clark <laughs> County. So, That's the best. Yeah, th- thank you, Trent. I really appreciate it. Mm. Trent's the best, man. No doubt about it. Always willing to help out. Of course, if you haven't already participated in it, be sure to check out Mentoring Mondays and uh, Wisdom Wednesdays. That's true. Two awesome opportunities to uh, learn and uh, and chat with your peers, which we're going to talk a lot about tonight. Sean, are you ready for the next one? Uh, yes. Shout out to this week's featured friend of the program, Cyanic Aut- Automation's Job Book. Here's some questions, guys. Do you think it should be easier to collect timesheets, daily work records, and invoice your customers? Yes. Is it difficult to look up past jobs in a certain area so you can reuse control points and other information? Yes. yes. Are you sick of using software that does not quite store all, all the customer and job information you need? Absolutely. Yes. If the answer is yes to any or most likely all of these questions, you need to check out Cyanic Automation's job book. Created by workflow esper- experts at Cyanic Automation, job book is a modern cloud-based solution built for surveyors that works in the field. Visit their website to find out more at getjobbook.com and Geoholics listeners receive 20% off their first year subscription. Wow. What a pro right there. 20% is a pretty big discount. It is a big deal. It's a big deal. And you know what the beautiful thing is? They 
this works because the reason they are a friend of the program is because we had them on last year just as a guest. And as a result of them coming on the show, they got like six new clients or customers, whatever. So yeah, huge believers. So keep it in mind, if uh, anybody out there is interested in being a friend of the program, just send us an email at info at the geoholics.com. And I will tell you everything you need to know about how you can support the show. That's true. All right. We have this week's Liquid Death's Weekly Words of Wisdom. I believe that uh, Nick Schlosser is going to take this one. Yes. What do you have, my friend? Well, uh, I've got a two-for-one deal. All right. Uh, You put a quote here, and then you also put a quote that I wrote. Um, So I'm just going to read them off real quick. Do it. Uh, The first one is, a vision without traction is a hallucination. Mm. Uh, The author is Gino Wickman. That'd be Gino. Gino, sorry. Not Gino like Wicked. gyno, not like gynecologist. <laughs> Just because you had a I, baby I appointment today. today. <laughs> yeah, you do see a lot of those right now, so yeah, I, get, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then the other one is it's not what you have, but who you have. It was just a random thought. I, I've been creating this board um, in my office, mm. and I basically put a quote for the week, and then um, I write down uh, three goals. The first goal is... Um, a personal goal. The second goal is a work-related goal. And the third goal is a goal that will help uh, or help someone else. Um, so Kent kind of snagged that quote that I randomly came up with. And yeah, I mean, life's, life's too short to care about what you have. It's all about who you have. Yeah, I like that. Really good stuff right there. And um, the, the first quote, a vision without traction is a hallucination. Uh, that's from a, an audiobook I've been listening to recently oh. called Traction. And Gino or Gino Wickman is the author of, uh, of that book. So anybody out there looking for something uh, as far as audiobook goes, I highly recommend Traction. It's awesome. Awesome. All right. So let me start by saying that this is our biggest group on a single podcast ever. So uh, we're going to do some self-introductions here. Uh, we have Tyler, Austin, Nick, Anissa, and Tate. So we have five people being part of this discussion this evening. This is going to be good. I, I believe Austin is, likes to go by AJ. Is that right there, AJ? That's correct. All right, Tyler, give us your uh, name, current role and company, if you'd like to associate yourself with that. Uh, number of your surveying and then the Trimble Pro Point Icebreaker. Why did you choose surveying as a career path? Okay, so I'm Tyler LaPointe. Uh, I work at L.I. Smith & Associates, and I've been surveying for about 10 years now. I got into land surveying because of the army. Uh, yeah, the, I got I joined. I didn't really know what my job was until I got to the training. And they're like, "You're going to learn how to survey, and you're going to learn how to draft." It's like, okay, I don't know what that is, but okay. And so I got to my first training event outside of you know basic and AIT where you learn your job. And I did this first training mission. I was like, "I want to do this. This is what I want to do." And so I called my high school ag teacher's son who was a local land surveyor i met him at my eagle scout ceremony and i said hey are you looking for any help and he goes yes yes i am and so that's how i got into land surveying wow that's awesome and tyler is a uh uh he's an og he's been on an earlier episode you may yes, you may yes. recognize that that voice and that accent um appreciate that tyler uh anissa why don't you go next Hi, my name is Anissa Williston. I work at Ascent Geomatic Solutions. Um, I've been in survey, oh, as a junior project manager. Um, I'm currently in SIT. 
Um, I've been in surveying for three years and I fell into surveying through school. I started off in engineering and I wasn't the biggest fan of what I was doing, so my advisor recommended surveying and mapping. And here I am. Awesome, I love it. Um, who wants to go now? Is AJ back? No? No, AJ. All right, let's go with Nick. All right, so uh, I kind of gave a backstory when I was on the podcast in one of the earlier episodes, but uh, I'll refresh it. Um, so I've been surveying for, uh, on, I like to say my whole life, um, but like actively getting paid uh, technically eight-ish kind of years. Um, I got into surveying because my dad, he's a, he's a professional land surveyor in uh, Oregon and California, so I kind of grew up with it my whole life. Um, I currently work for a company called Alta Southwest in uh, Arizona, uh, and I'm a, a project surveyor. So, Awesome. All right, Tate. We're going to put you on the spot here. Um, how about you? Let's go with your name. All right. My name's Tate. Um, I've been surveying for 0. 0.02 years, about. <laughs> um, Less than that. Yeah. Um, 0. 0.001. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I've just been shadowing Nick so far at, at Alta Southwest. And um, the reason I got into surveying is I started at Alta doing um, geotech stuff. And then Kent kind of um, looked like he needed help. And I ended up talking to Kent and Nick more about it. And, and they, they hooked me in. So um, I'm working, working with them now, learning more about surveying every day. Yeah, we got him on the hook. We just got to reel him in now. That's true. It just takes time. But it's so interesting that, you know, so you have Tyler who got into surveying as a result of his military career, and thank you for your service. Thank you. Uh, Anissa, who started out engineering, let's face it, she got bored with it and said, surveying's pretty cool, so let's go ahead and do this. Nick grew up in it. There's a lot of people with that story that their dad or uncle or grandfather or whatever was a surveyor. And then uh, we've got Tate, who has a story a lot like Anissa. So uh, this is, this is going to be a great conversation. All right, well, hang on. we got one more. Uh, is AJ back? AJ, you back? Uh, can you hear me? Oh, perfect, man. Yep. I got you. Go for um, it. All right. Yeah. All right. If your it turn. messes up again, I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to try doing all this again. I don't want to mess up y'all's show here. No problem. Um, anyway, so where I left off, I've been surveying for six years now. Um, and initially, I did not choose land surveying. Hmm. I went back to school to be a civil engineer, and I started working for L.I. Smith, and I got hands-on doing surveying civil engineering but i didn't i didn't really love civil engineering but i really liked land surveying um and so i saw the demand for surveyors the demand for young surveyors and i saw you know what the work is here it's in high demand i really like doing it and this is what i'm going to do i love that story Great, great story, AJ. So uh, another engineer turned uh, surveyor. All surveyors love that story. <laughs> yes, they do. That's, that's, uh, that's two and a half, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. well, technically, Tyler might be. In, in the Army, are you guys considered um, engineer technicians? That's how it is in the Air Force. Technical engineer. Technical engineer. See? So yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that sucks, because it's like you're, you're surveying, uh-huh. like, even... You know, these military branches say, oh, you're, you're an engineer. Right. You're really right. not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into this. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, what, what, what do you think is most important to 
potential server. You know, we're we're addressing the the, the yeah, shortage yeah, yeah, of yeah, the skill set. We need a frame. We, you need to frame. Yeah, yeah. What, what we're doing. So here. the first thing we're gonna we're gonna address is the 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 concern that we have about there being a shortage of skilled labor in the surveying profession specifically. What's the uh, average age of a professional land surveyor? Plus or minus 60 years old. Big problem, big problem. And you know, we've beat that thing to death. So one question I have for you all, you know, being younger surveyors, I mean, what, what do you think is most important to potential surveyors, um, for, you know, this generation and the next generation, you know, how, how do we, as a profession, make geomatics more appealing? Nick, do you have an opinion on that? Honestly, it, it's not necessarily that we need to make it more appealing because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's awesome. But we just need to expose people to it. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why people aren't exposed to it is because, like you just said, the average age of the surveyor is 60 years old. So they have a hard time reaching, you know, these newer generations. They, they, they think, oh, well we're going to do what got us into surveying, but that's not, that's not how you reach people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, things like this, the podcast, I mean, this is awesome. I mean, the, it's what I listened to when I made my transition back into surveying, you know? So I, I think that it's not necessarily, we need to change the profession. We just need to change our, our approach on bringing new people in. Um, I've had a conversation with, you know, a couple people recently. Um, it's, it, we're just rehiring the same people and, and moving them around in different companies. Um, we should try and hire like people that don't know anything about surveying, but are in an age range, um, that can add value. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. And train them up for sure. Uh, Anissa, you're shaking your head. I feel like you have something to say, something to add. Yeah. I think not only just reaching people, but you know, basically outreach, um, like reaching out to high schools, reaching out to, you know, people in college that are undecided, like, I guess, educating people what surveying is. Um, That's pretty much, you know, I feel like that's the biggest issue is a lot of people don't know. And when they're entering, you know, the time of their lives where they're ready to pick a career, they, you know, they don't, they don't know what to do. And they've never heard of it. So how are people going to know? Who do you think are the best people to go out and um, make those connections? And do you think it's, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's where I'm going with this. Cause like I, you know, I've been doing this for 30 plus years, so I'm in the, the, the old guy category. And I think it's important that, you know, surveyors, your all's age are the ones that are out there, you know, being the face of the profession. I can only relate to a certain you know, number of people, let's say, um, whereas you all are closer to the age group, age range of the folks that we want to get interested in the profession. So like, I'm not the best guy to, to, to be that face, you know, I agree to that. And with that though, you're admitting that the target audience is the younger generation, right? Absolutely. So What's going to attract the younger generation, some old guy that they can't relate to or someone who is a little bit younger? Um, so when I was back in Oregon working for my dad, um, I was I was one of the younger guys working for the company. Mm. I came here to a company that has surveying it has uh, engineering it has a, a geotechnical side that or an emphasis in geotechnical as well, where there's a bunch of young guys there. And they're like, what is this young guy doing? Like, why isn't he with the rest of us young guys? Like, he's hanging out with these old guys, working with these old guys. So I I feel like 
that alone, you know, sparked an interest of some of the, the younger people amongst the company in mm-hmm. different departments. Yeah, uh, totally agree. AJ, do you have something to add? And our outreach, um, like everybody else has said, we definitely, we have to, I think we need to get into the high schools. I think we need to get into these uh, groups of freshmen who are still in their general studies. They really don't know what they want to do. They're just, they're here. Um, they're, they're starting college, but they have no idea where they want to go, the things they want to do. Um, and so talking to professors who are teaching surveying and engineering, talking to those people and really getting into high schools, junior, junior and senior level uh, high schoolers going to college and just kind of planting that bug right in their ear. Like, Hey, this is what we do. This is awesome. You need to check it out. Yep. Totally agree with that. Um, and you know, we've talked about it before, you know, obviously there's the get kids into survey movement, which is great. You know, it's awesome. Um, but there's just really not anything after that. You know, it's like you get kids into survey. How do we keep kids in the survey? There's nothing for the middle school and the high schoolers really that is a, um, a structured type thing. You know, that's the biggest challenge. Um, getting in front of the high school kids, I totally agree with that, with exactly what AJ said. Just how do we do that? How do we get into the high schools? How do we introduce surveying into the curriculum, you know? I don't know if it necessarily needs to be into the curriculum. So, so that's the thing. Is there something in the curriculum that introduces kids to um, engineering or like being an attorney or being a doctor? No, there's not. You know, they already know about it, right? But what are kids in like that high school range, a little after that high school range, what do they do with most of their free time? I mean, I'm, I'm guilty myself. We spend a lot of time on our phones, social media, things like that. I, I really feel as if that's, that's our world. We grew up with it. Mm-hmm. And with that too, I mean, surveying, it's, it's a lot of technology. I deal with a lot of technology all the time. So if we just show people, you know, that are, are very similar to us. Hey, we do cool stuff with technology too. Like mm-hmm. you can do it. This, this is something that you just don't know about. Yeah. And I think, uh, in addition to that, I think getting like the high school guidance counselors, I'm assuming high school still have guidance counselors. I have no idea. I don't yes, think they, they do. do. They, do? they don't. They should. I mean, someone's got Tate, a, Tate will tell Tate's us. closest to high school. Yeah. I thought it was a career advisor or something. Well, okay. Like career Same advisor. Thing. But getting, getting, you know, getting survey planted in their mind and telling, you know, potential candidates for the profession about it, that would be another thing that I agree could make a difference. Did you know anything about surveying when you were in high school? No, Tate? I didn't. I didn't know anything about surveying until my freshman year of college. What about wow. you, Tyler? You ever, did was it literally when you were asked in, to help out? Is that the first time you even thought about it? So, my ag teacher talked about it because his son ag is teacher. a license surveyor in Tennessee, and you know, in um, FFA, you do the auto levels and those competitions at the FFA, you know, events, and that that's who we need to be targeting. You know, FFA, mm. yep. 4-H, and your scouting organizations. Totally agree. Those are the people. Those are the kids we really need to be targeting. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, we talked about, yeah, you know, I don't want to say stereotypical, but I guess stereotypical surveyor. Um, what's it? Uh, you know, myself, 
being a, you know, a 50, what am I, 55, 55 year old. I feel like I'm a young 55. Let's go, let's say that first and foremost. Um, but I mean, even, even myself, when I first started, first got into the profession, you know, this, that stereotypical surveyor, you know, just kind of a, you know, kind of, God, old, I hate to use these words, but kind of slobbingly and just, you know, the, the, uh, the, the appearance wasn't great, you know, and that's unfortunately the stereotype, you know, somebody, the older generation, maybe not well-spoken, not a good communicator, you know, comes across as being arrogant and this and that. And that is what we need to put aside. We need to get past that. And that's where, you know, you guys all come in, you know, and I, I know Tyler, one of the things you want to talk about is the importance of overall appearance. Why don't you go ahead and expand on that a little bit? Well, and that that's one of the things that I think gets us because, you know, we have that conversation. Are we a profession? Are we a trade? And when you think of a profession, you think of nice dressed people, you know, that, that are well presentable, clean shaven, or at least, you know, trimmed up facial hair and, you know, kempt hair and like that. Whereas, you know, the amount of time, even I'm guilty of it, being out on a job somewhere, cut off t-shirt, raggedy blue jeans, coffee <laughs> been thrown away already. And, you know, talking to a client and they're like, who is this guy? Like he just crawled out of a swamp and now he's trying to tell me where my land is. Yep. You know. I agree 100%. Uh, AJ, do you have something to add to that? No, I, I agree. And that's one thing that our company is is going towards now where we're getting stuff, we're getting nicer vests to wear in the field um, because work has just been booming. We're getting a lot new, uh, more vehicles, new vehicles. Uh, we're all starting to drive these, you know, 2022 Dodge Ram four doors with decals and the lights. And it just, it looks better than what we've used in the past, you know, a 1990 suburban that the windows don't work in um stuff like that i think it does go a long way uh with the public eye and i've had people come up and talk to me while i'm out there working and i try to i guess articulate everything that i'm doing as much as possible even though it's really it's probably not that complicated i try to articulate it and uh make them feel comfortable and so, yeah, just our appearance to the public eye, um, I believe, will go a long way. Yep, totally agree. Anissa? I, I really don't have too much to add, but I think it it's dependent on what you're doing um, day, day to day. Um, I work in the office. I actually work from home. I'm remote. Um, <laughs> so it really just depends, like... I only have to look good from here to here. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it is important to have standards, I guess, like personal standards. Uh, you know, like, you know, when you're out in the field, you want to you wanna wear, like you said, matching vests, have, you know, and, you know, it's kind of hard, though, when you're out in the sun. <laughs> so it really depends. So, Anissa, I, I don't think you gave your no, yourself enough credit. Um, yeah, you work from home, you work in the office, but there's like things like email etiquette and calling people and, and different ways to communicate with different clients and things like that. And that's all part of professionalism. So I think that, you know, um, in combination with how you look, it's, it's how you present yourself, how you speak your speak and how you ultimately project who you are and what you represent, which when you're working, it's your company. 
Yep, no question. The only thing I'll add to that is, you know, our, our folks that work out in the field, a lot of times that's the first exposure our client has to our our companies, you know, and, you know, you only get one chance to make a first impression, right? So it's very, very important that we drive it home to our folks that work out in the field that you do just what we're talking about, you know, professional conduct. A lot of times it's hard in the field, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of swearing and a lot of this and a lot of it's, you know, it, it, it's a tough job and, um, but still you can be professional. At, at, while you're doing that. And just like, you know, like Nick said, um, you know, communicating, you know, having good communication skills goes a long way for not just surveyors, but people in general. Absolutely. Anything else to add to that? Anybody? All right. So the demand for surveyors, we know it's through the roof right now. I'm, I'm assuming that we can all agree on that. Um, and I know it's not just a problem or a challenge that we experience here in the States. It, this is a global issue. The demand for surveyors across the globe is through the roof and there's just not enough of us there. Um, what, like, what do you guys, what do you guys think makes surveyors the most marketable today? What What is the skill set that surveyors, you know, need to possess to be uh-huh. successful now and into the future? What do you, what do you think that looks like? And uh, Anissa, I'll let you go first. I think a lot of people assume that they want professionals to have a strong history um, or a strong background in survey where they work like 20 plus years or professionals from you know, the education background but my belief is per, like purely attitude and yep. how far you're willing to learn and adapt to change. Yep. Um, purely because technology is always changing um, and you have to keep up with it. I, I think attitude is my number one. Whenever I work with people, if they're willing to learn, it goes a long way. I love that. Yeah, great answer. And the other word I'll throw in there is aptitude which is a word that I just learned on last week's show when we were talking to Travis, aptitude. Look that one up. That's a good word. Do you know what it means? The ability to apply yourself, right? More or less. Okay. Ability to, yeah, yeah. Ability to learn and apply what you learn, right. correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. got yep. it. Yep, super important though for surveyors, no question. All right, Tyler, how about you? I was going to say malleability. Ooh, good one. Well, I want to hear. Old to the job you were doing. Because yep. I don't, I don't know about y'all out there, but you know, we don't just focus on one portion of surveying. Our our firm, we are, we are as far as our surveyors go, we work in thirteen states. Wow. So we work in both meets and bounds and PLSS states. <laughs> wow. We we do boundary, we do construction, we do drones and lidar and everything, engineering, surveying. We're almost full service start to finish. Like, and the ability to jump from one job to the next and the ability to, you know, one day you might be out flying a drone. The next day you might be with the 30 year field chief using the old Topcon equipment. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best in the business. You you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, but, no. yeah. That's the ability to just switch from this the opposite spectrums of surveying. Mm. Yep, no question. And again, you know, having the flexibility or the the willingness to be flexible and and learn these things. Um, 
you know, that's another thing, you know, the, the older generation, of course, you know, it's like, you can't teach an old dog, new tricks, that type thing. And there's, there's some truth to that. Let's face it. Um, but again, you know, I'm, I'm so envious of the position that you all are in, in this profession, um, you know, being in the age group that you're at and, my goodness. I mean, you can basically write your ticket. You know, I look at Tate here, who's 21 years old and considering survey as, as a career path. And I'm just, and I, I've told him before, I'm like, dude, if you apply yourself to this, you're like gold in this profession. Yes. What do you think about that, Tate? Um, it, you know, it's early for sure, but, um, <laughs> you know, serving, serving is interesting and, and it's been fun so far working with these guys. But I'm I'm still just taking it one step at a time, just just learning as much as I can. He's not ready to commit yet. <laughs> He's still got. School I'll, I'll well. give him to the end of summer. We'll have him. <laughs> How about you, AJ? You got anything to add to that? So one of the biggest things that I see here in our office, um, and it doesn't really it doesn't necessarily apply to those who are seeking to get their license, but it applies to our field crews, and it's work ethic. It is getting Rodman. You know, we have Rodman come in the door all the time. They see our ads. They're like, hey, I need a job. They're 18, 19 years old. They really don't know what they want to do, so they come to be a Rodman. They work for two weeks uh, doing a boundary traverse, and they're beating brush. They're sweating. They're getting eat up by mosquitoes, and they quit. Yep. Because wow. they're like, I, this hard work is not what I wanted. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Um. And so I really think work ethic. Um, and I mean, I'm 27 years old and I have a lot of friends who are my age and I just, they're, even their work ethic, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's a hard uh, characteristic to find in people yeah. um, in this area at least. So that's, that's one of the biggest things I think we're facing over here. AJ, AJ, let me ask you something, um, and I, I love what you said. When it comes to work ethic, where do you think that comes from? Is that something that is part of an individual as a result of the way they were brought up, or is there something else to it? Wait, is this a nature versus nurture question? Maybe. Well, I'll be candid. Please. Um, I believe that, yes, definitely, a lot of it has to do with your upbringing, um, not always there's, there's some people who, you know, work really, really hard, um, and may have not had a great upbringing, but I think, I think some of it does come from your upbringing, but I think a lot of it is society now and mm. how society is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's unfortunate, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the guys out in the field, you know, they spend a couple weeks out there cutting brush and getting you know, eaten up by mosquitoes and ticks and everything. And uh, most likely they can go to Target and, you know, make the same amount of money. True. Which makes it really difficult. Really difficult. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. It, it really does. You're right. Yep. Yep. Tyler, did you have something to add? Um, you know, I, I'm right, a lot, right there with AJ. We, we run through Rodman like it's nothing. Like, we've kept... I don't know, two or three maybe in the past year that out of like, I don't know, five, six, seven that we've had. And, you know, there's been a couple of them that are real good, but uh, there's, there is definitely a, a lack of talent that we just cannot tap into. Mm -hmm. 
we don't know how. Mm-hmm. One thing I would add to that is it's also, I mean, I think on your, on your survey crew chiefs as well to be good, you know, mentors to these young guys that are just starting. And here's why I bring that up is you see on like the field book or not field, field crew, field crew, Facebook page, you know, these crew chiefs like posting pictures of their, you know, their, their instrument operators or rodmen, whatever, and making fun of them and this and that. And that's like the opposite conduct of what we need to keep these young folks engaged in the profession. And Anissa, I see you shaking your head. I've just seen things on that page. That's all. (laughs) Um, And it's interesting that people would, you know, if you want to keep people around, um, making fun probably isn't the best way. Uh, I think AJ can attest to this, but if you want to learn how to do a boundary survey, we probably have the best party chief at our company that you can find. It doesn't matter what company you go to. That man, he, he can do an entire boundary survey yeah, I don't know, with a, a stick and a telescope <laughs> and clothes under a tent. It, it's amazing. It really is. So to combine everything that you guys just said, what AJ said, uh, what Anissa said, what Tyler said, uh, to answer Kent's question, what makes a surveyor valuable? You combine all three of your ideas together and it answers that question. Mm-hmm. It's that one-stop shop surveyor where you can literally go out in the field and do construction. You can do boundary. You can do it all. You can do anything on the field. And you come back in the office, you know, draft it. Well, actually, let's track back. You can do the research beforehand or go to, like, maybe a pre-construction meeting or whatever. Um, and then, you know, do the field work, come back to the office, draft it, get it back out to the client and I think that where we're getting hung up is, is that we're not exposing the new Rodman to everything mm. where, you know, you know, so like where AJ is saying, yeah, we've got Rodman. It's hard. It's hard to get them to want to stick around with the hard work. Well, Hey, like, you know, and, and, and back to his philosophy where, you know, it's a generation thing where we're kind of, you know, and we are a lot softer than, you know, the older generation and in a lot of different areas that I, I would agree to that. Um, you ever but, think about uh, overwhelming somebody that's new to it? What do you mean by that? You said uh, expose them to everything. Not not all at once. Not all at once, but just like maybe it, like a big make sure they understand what that big picture is, or yeah, where what what they're where what they're doing now and where it, show them where it ends up on a on a plan or show them what why that mm-hmm. why like, it is what they're doing, not just go out there and walk a hundred feet that way and pound a stake. So, yeah. So, so, so uh, I, I came up with a solution to this. I, I, I thought about this and I, I kind of applied my experience in the air force and I was like, I, I feel as if we're exposing these, we're, we're trying to bring new guys in, right? We're trying to bring the younger, younger generation in and it's, we lose them so easily. You know, if they're not really committed to it or they're not, you know, someone that really likes to be outside and do the hard work, we lose them. Like it's just not for them. They'll, they'd go make more money working at target. I mean, that's what Kent said, but you create like a kind of like a training plan, like a a career path. You kind of outline, um, basically, Hey, at this point 
in our, you know, internship or our, your, your path with professional us. development. Your, yeah. A, a professional development plan where you kind of expose them to a little bit of everything. And, you know, if someone clings to something more than the other, then yeah, cling to it, run with it. You know, like some, not everyone is, is cut out for the field. I mean, that, that, let's go ahead and be honest, you know, not, not everyone is meant to do everything. You can't, you'll bring someone on that is more inclined to sit behind a computer and, and throw them out in the field and then vice versa. You know, there's a lot of field guys that I know that will not ever come to the office just because they can't, they don't want to, they, they would lose their mind being in that setting, you know, but then, then again, you know, there's people that like to do it all. So I just think that if we're trying to attract the younger generation, yeah, it's great. You know, let's, let's track them, but let's also show them, you know, like, like Sean was saying the big picture and then show them kind of the whole process. And if they gravitate to a certain portion more, or if they, you know, just consume it all awesome, you know? So I, I just think that we're, we're not necessarily ex- exposing this younger generation to, uh, everything, but that's on us. It is. It's on us. And you got to have people that are willing to take the time to do just that. Yes. You know, and that's the biggest challenge is getting people that are going to be committed to doing that. You know, it's almost like, and I think you, you know, like it's almost like a mentor mentee, I don't want to say curriculum, but plan. Yes. You know, and each, each of the parties has to hold the other accountable. You know, yes. the, the, the mentor, you know, ha- is obviously holding the mentee accountable and vice versa. You know, yeah. mentoring goes both ways. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, did you have something to add? No, I was just, what you were just saying then, um, that, that generational gap between the mentor and the mentee, I think that's a hard obstacle to overcome. Um, but I think it, I think it can be done. It just takes on the ment- on the, the mentor's part, I guess you would say, um, it takes some patience yes. to, uh, to work with, um, people who are younger and, you know, our generation, uh, cause there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't see eye to eye on mm-hmm. and you have to be able to push past that to work towards, you know, your common goal or your mission. And it's like, Hey, this is what we got to do. And we're going to do it. And we're going to push past everything else. Um, and we're going to try to get on the same page as best we can be. Yep. Totally agree. Tyler, you were shaking your head. Did you have something to add to that? No, it, it, yeah, no, it's absolutely what y'all are saying. We were raised by the do as I say generation, but we are <laughs> uh, the Y generation. I love it. Yes. We are most definitely the Y generation. That is huge. What he said right there is absolutely huge. That, this is not in her head too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did you have something, Anissa? I mean, not only that, but I kind of want to touch on, you know, people leaving and, you know, not being able to keep people around, like having that mentor mentee relationship. I feel like a lot of people like basically need to look at it as like, this is my profession. Like, this is what I want to, you know, I see opportunity and that, I think that needs to come from the mentor. Like you have all these opportunities. You can, you can go to the stars if you want, but a lot of them don't see it because maybe they didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know, that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I have a question on that. Uh, you guys can all have maybe have a different experience, but when you were first introduced into this field, is it standard that you get assigned a mentor? No. No, I, I think there's so many people that get into the field for the first time that are just absolutely floundering. What, what about you guys? Uh, Tyler, AJ, you guys, 
Were you assigned a mentor when you first started? Well, I mean, myself, as soon as I first started, um, I was a Rodman. And this party chief that Tyler has mentioned, his name's Frank Birch. And this is one of the most patient people I've ever met in my life. And I started with him. And after about, you know, the, the first week or two, it was kind of like, hey, you know, take the prism pole, go over here, level it up, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And um, after about two weeks, you know, I was able to ask him, like, hey, will you teach me how to set up a gun? Like, you know, this is a pretty easy, what we're doing here, it's pretty easy. You teach me how to set it up. And he would teach me, and he taught me every, I mean, everything he could teach me. If I asked a question, he he answered it. Um, and he didn't get frustrated. He didn't get flustered. And um, so I took Frank in as my mentor. And now, even now, if I'm out in the field and I'm having a problem with something, I'll call Frank. Yep. I'll say, Frank, what, what, what do you think? What should I do? What's, you know, what's going on? Like the robot, is not working right? Um, can you help me out? And he's who I'll call before I call anybody else. So yeah. And what's you, that like uh, in the office, Anissa? Like, do you get the same level? Like, I know it's easy when you're on a two man crew, you got, you're, you're the Rodman. There's a part, there, there's a crew chief. He, obviously you're going to learn from him, but you just get brought into the office and sit in front of a screen and say, all right, draw me some lines and do some calc. Like no one's sitting with you all day, all, all every day. How does that work? And how did it work for you? Um, I feel like I, I definitely have multiple mentors. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an SAT currently. I'm on, you know, my goal is licensure. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll have one-on-ones with PSMs or RPLSs and ask them questions and, They've been really helpful. Um, I think the diff, you know, maybe me being behind a screen, you just have to make time and set appointments and just make sure, like, if you want to get certain things done, you have to schedule it. Um, mm. So a little different. I have something to say real quick. All of us young surveyors are here because we all had good mentors. I've I've seen bad mentors or people in mentoring positions mm-hmm. that have deterred people away. But I, I guarantee every single one of us has had a good mentor, and that's why we stuck with it. And what I would like to add, and it's kind of a, a common theme with what has been said so far so far on this topic, is showing taking some initiative and asking questions, right? And if you're willing to do that, someone, if they are a good mentor, is going to see potential because you're showing interest. And I mean, I'll use Tate as a as a great example. You know, he, he asks questions and it's apparent that he has sincere interest and you can work with that. You can work with that. And of course you hire those people that they're just going through the motions. They're just showing up to work every day to do what they're told and really have no direction as far as their future. And some people are just like that, unfortunately, but the ones that express interest, you got to jump on that and just harness that, uh, harness that, that energy, that attitude, that aptitude. That is our target audience. Yep. Well, I think the, I think the difference is really, you know, obviously we've got some smart, capable and driven people that we're talking with now, but all of us or all of you guys are the type that, you know, AJS, Hey, show me how to do this. And this schedules a meeting so she can get some feedback. The, the, there's a part of the younger generation that thinks, correct me if I'm wrong, but that thinks that it is, 
not their responsibility or duty to ask questions and to seek news. They think it's their boss's job to tell them what they should be doing next. And if they aren't told, mm-hmm. then they just sit there and keep doing the same thing. And when they do lose interest, it's not their fault. I feel like AJ would have something good to add to that. I was actually looking up something on my computer, but it looks like our internet is still down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what, what, were you about to, what were you about to say, Tyler? I know you're, you were you were itching. I was going to say, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here on the asking questions. Some of them, they don't know what they don't know. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they don't always know the right question to ask. They don't know, hey, why are we shooting it this way instead of doing it this way? Why do we have to be on the center of this nail instead of, you know, just on the edge of it? They don't, they don't exactly know why yet, so they don't know the question to ask. So there does need to be some of that forward answers given from the party chief, the mentor, before they can get to the question asking part. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Really good point. They don't know what they don't know. So, and it's a two-way street. You know, I mean, you in the mentor role, you have to work that along, and then the person, the mentee, you know, hopefully they're not afraid to ask questions. So many people are afraid to ask questions. It's, you know, they think it shows weakness. You know, that's that's the bottom line. And it's unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, did you have something else, Nick? Oh, no, I didn't. You didn't? Really? <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Make a note. Make a note, yep. Make a note, exactly. Um, so, like, what do you, like, you guys specifically in your roles, I mean, obviously being younger surveyors, you know, on this, I heard you mention, you know, you're in LSIT, um, but what, what do you see as your role being moving forward to help promote the, the profession? Um, I guess I'll go. Uh, I get involved. Um, you know, professional organizations, schools. I mean, even just like business meetings, like talk about what you do, spread the word. Um, you never know who you'll run into that may want to enter this, you know. Um, just communicate what you do and um, show up. <laughs> it's very important. It goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tyler, you're shaking your head. What do you got? Uh, a big one for me is just the networking, like we are like we do. You know, me and Nick, we talked on the phone for 30 minutes the other day on my drive home. Yeah, we did. Okay, let, let's talk about this. And, you know, he called me, and we just talked on the phone. Um, you know, I run the, the military surveyor groups on Instagram and Facebook, yeah. and, I, you know, I, I just shoot all this stuff out there, and I, I try to get people interested. Hmm. I'll, every now and then, you know, I just reach out to people like uh, Robert Martin after his oh, yeah. show with y'all. I reached out to him and started talking to him. Uh, I think, Net, uh, you know, um, Justin Farrow, those Lance Surveyors United, yep. reached out to him about how to reach more people. You know, it, 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 Farrah, I talked to her and, you know, she's going to ETSU now, so am I. You know, we'll, oh, cool. we'll talk about school every now and then. You know, I think networking is one of the big ones. No question. No question. How about you, AJ? Tyler stole the words out of my mouth. That's why as soon as he said networking, I started like, shaking my it. head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, definitely networking. Um, I mean, personally, myself, I've just been so engulfed with getting done with school and, um, you know, getting my military career kicked off. Uh, I haven't had that chance to network. So when I got the email about this podcast from Tyler, I was like, absolutely, let's do it. Like, this would be, you know, a step in the right direction. Um, 
So definitely networking. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's, that's, that'd be my biggest thing, networking. So with the networking, here's, here's the thought. We are ambassadors. Like we are ambassadors. Yep. Great word. The profession yep. all the time, uh, whether it be on social media, whether it be in per, uh, person, whether it be at our individual companies. Um, and I, I, I think that, you know, wh- while we network with other surveyors, we should also focus on being ambassadors and networking with other people that could potentially a be a surveyor or be like a potential client or something else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, something that I did recently is I went and got my hair cut and I was, my barber started talking to me about how he has, you know, he, he's a little older. I mean, he's probably in his thirties, not much older, you know, and he said he has kids in his seat, you know, within the, the 18 to 25 range, just trying to figure themselves out. And he's like, I, I don't know what to suggest to him. And I was like, well, dude, let me tell you about surveying. Yeah. And I, I told him about it and I, I gave him a business card and he said, he's going to, he's going to, you know, send them my way. So I, I, I gave him a bunch of business cards and, uh, you know, if these, these kids or, you know, people are just trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life, they reach out to me. Worst case scenario, I refer them to another company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thinking outside the box like that, that's huge. Well, the thing is, is that uh, a lot of people, kids, if you will, may not realize they have as many options as they do. Sure. You won't like what, what mm-hmm. did we just say, like you, you don't know what you don't know. And if you've never heard of in, this as an option, you don't know it. So you don't think you have it as an option. Yeah. And, you know, an, another avenue to promote, you know, not only yourself, but your profession. I just got pinged the other day by one of our contractors and they're like, he goes, you know, would you guys have any interest in coming in and basically giving a survey one-on-one presentation to, you know, our project managers or whatever. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? That's exactly what we want to do. We will no doubt about it do that. But, uh, you know, it's things like that that open up doors that, uh, you know, you, you just you just don't know about, you know. You never know where that next opportunity, that next potential candidate's going to come from. Uh, Tyler, what do you got? So, you know, I mentioned it in our email traffic that, uh, you know, tennis, we have Charles Wittenberg in Tennessee, fantastic man. I reached out to him once we started doing this podcast. He he runs a nonprofit that is parallel to our TAPS, our Tennessee Association of Professional Surveyors. He just calls it Tennessee Land Surveyors. And he goes around to FFA competitions and meetings, and he goes around to 4-H, and he goes and helps teach, like, Boy Scout, the Boy Scout Merit Badge for Land Surveying and reaches out to those demographics that we want to hit. But what they're doing later this summer is there's an event for all the educators in those fields, you know, all the FFA instructors and the 4-H instructors, and he's going to set up there and he's going to be talking to the teachers, Mm. counselors, the instructors. And so they can suggest it to their students. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. We got some background noise right now. sounds like the people upstairs are building something or something. I have no idea. So I apologize if that's coming through. Yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of it. We'll post. get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, Anissa, did you have anything to add? Two-year-old playing in the background, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, this is our two-year-old, apparently. Uh, Can't I, wait to have a two-year-old. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Careful what you wish for, buddy. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Anissa, did you have something else to add? I think you guys hit it. I mean, I feel like Pretty much just be involved in, um, what's it called? Network. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, did you have something? Yeah. And this mentioned like be involved when you say be involved, are you talking about like, uh, like different groups? Like, uh, what is Texas? Is, does it have like a PLSO type of organization? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. Well, like, so, so what are your guys' thoughts on our current organizations? You know, like, is that something that you think other people within our generation would, you know, be drawn to or not versus all the other different things that aren't actually like necessarily an organization, you know, like uh, get our kids into survey or, you know, mentoring Mondays or even, you know, just the geoholics. What, what is our generation's um, opinion of, you know, I guess, the the original like the state organizations you're talking yeah, about the, the yeah the state organizations and NSPS like, yeah and even even NS or NCES like yeah. what, what's what's our thought on um you know what they're doing for surveying and and yeah just, what, what's your guys' opinions I I really enjoy being involved with TSPS um, I've met a lot of people within my area so I'm involved with. TSPS Chapter 9, that's the Houston area. Um, and really, it's amazing. So I'm, a, you know, I'm the East Region Coordinator. So I, for the Texas Young Surveyors in Chapter 9, and we have events. So we have young surveyors come and we have a happy hour or we have, you know, volunteer opportunities. And I think it's just really nice to like, and refreshing really to see people within the area show up to these things. That's pretty cool. That's good. How about uh, like the Young Surveyors Network? Do, do you, is that pretty strong in in your respective states, Tyler? Uh, not so much in West Tennessee. Okay. Uh, as far as Young Surveyors, you have L. I. Smith and maybe a couple of others, but we don't really have a Young Surveyors organization that uh-huh. really uh, hosts events and the like. Is there one in here uh, in Arizona? AJ, we try to attend as many of the West and Northwest chapter meetings as we can. <laughs> for apps but uh, i mean now and you even mentioned nces like the cst stuff isn't really pushed a lot in tennessee mm-hmm. I, I think it needs to be pushed a little more mm-hmm. but for us it, it's not really that big of a deal because you know it, it, it doesn't weed out anybody for us because we're so short on applicants right so whether or not you have the cst doesn't really matter you, you're not you know, it, it would help, maybe, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. It doesn't really change anything around here. Sure. Yeah. Like it's really not recognized officially, I guess. Um, and I, I agree with you. I don't think it's promoted enough. I, I think it is a really good program, especially for you know folks just starting out. They're not sure if they want to pursue licensure or not. It allows them to obtain some credentials and uh, you know and start to build value that way. But um, you know the Young Surveyors Network in some states it's really really strong, and in other states it's not unfortunately. But. Yeah. So one thing I want to circle back on, AJ mentioned that you you were finishing up your education. Can you expand on that just a little bit? Uh, so actually, I graduated May the 6th and uh, and I've taken my FS oh, in cool. July. So I'm studying up for that right now. I've actually got, well, my books are over there. So, yeah, you know, I've been studying for that and gearing up for that. Um, but... Yeah, that's that's basically it on my education, really. Where did so where did you obtain your education at? University of Tennessee at Martin. 
Wow. Oh, right on. Was it an online program or is that a traditional program? So it's it's traditional program and the way the way it works there at Martin versus like the school Tyler's going to, uh-huh. um, I have a bachelor's of science in agriculture engineering hmm. and my concentration is land surveying and geomatics and GIS. So instead of taking like hydraulics classes and you know power machinery classes, I took land surveying, uh, some environmental science stuff, soil sciences, things like that, and just met their curriculum to be eligible to take the FS. Wow. Awesome. That is awesome. How about you, Anissa? I know you said, what, what's your degree in, or are you still working on it? I graduated three years ago. Okay. Um, so I graduated from the University of Florida mm. um, and with a wow. Bachelor of Science in Geomatics and a focus in uh, land surveying. That's cool. Perfect. And Tyler, tell, tell us again what uh, what you're doing. I'm going to ETSU, East Tennessee State University online. Yep. It's the only land surveying and mapping degree in the state of Tennessee. Wow. And so the only way they get away with their online exa- their online bachelors is that your exams for your your specific classes have to be proctored by a licensed professional. Oh, okay. So, and most of them are also live. Like, I'm not just taking them online. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the lectures live with the students in the classroom. Gotcha. So anything gotcha. surveying related is normally live, even though it's online. Can you elaborate on your exams? Like, are do you have, like, uh, someone you work with, like a licensed professional sitting there watching you take it in person? Or is it um, a like, licensed professional, like, actually watching you take the exam through a computer? Like a proctor. Oh, no, it, it is Tommy Young sitting across the hall from me, uh, <laughs> the BLS that I work for. <laughs> He's going to like that name drop. I'm going to let you know. But, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, like the whenever you start out the semester, whoever your surveying professors are for that semester wow. will have you fill out a proctor form huh. with, you know, your proctor's name, their license, all of that information. And like the day before the exam, they send that to them. And then, you know, they hand you the exam. They have a list of requirements this this long, these calculators, this much scratch paper, whatever. And then you hand it back to the PLS, and then they scan it in, send it back to the professor, and burn the test, the, the physical copy. You know, burn yep. it, shred it, tear it up. Whatever. Gotcha. But that is how it has its creditation through the board. Okay. It has to be proctored by a licensed professional. Okay. I like that. And Nick, what are you, you're Great Basin, right? Yeah, I, I took a break just to focus on passing my uh, FS so I can just have my LSI. Um, but yeah, Great Basin, it's online, um, except instead of uh, a licensed professional being the person that proctors your test, mm-hmm. they have like actual people that proctor your test. And it, it's closely, so my wife goes to school um, to be an attorney. Um, and her tests are online. Uh, and, and actually she took the California state baby bar online and it was extremely strict. Like the, the whole entire room, like you had, she had to take all the pictures off and things like that. Um, and it was, someone was literally watching her while she was taking the test and like, wow. she couldn't make a noise. She couldn't, you know, go to the bathroom or anything like that. But, uh, when I, when I take the test for a great basin, it, it's not as extreme. Yeah. It, it, like someone's just watching you, making sure you're not cheating. It's, uh, that's gotcha. really it. And Tate, what, where were you at with your education? Um, I just finished, I just finished my associates emphasis in engineering at Glendale community college here in the Phoenix area. And I'm supposed to 
go to Arizona State in the fall and continue on with my civil engineering bachelor's degree. That's the plan for now. There's uh, there's hope. He said supposed to. He did. He did say and, supposed to. And now he's exposed to other options where he can expand his education and continue down his uh, future land surveying career. As uh, the uh, only licensed professional engineer in this group, uh, I would encourage Tate to keep his options open. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you guys, this is really interesting because everybody, you know, on, on this part of this discussion has some level of survey education. So I'm curious what your opinion is. Obviously, every state's different. In Arizona, there's no post-secondary education requirement. Uh, in other states, there's four-year degrees. There's two-year degrees in some states. What do you think is the sweet spot? And Anissa, I'll let you go first. Hey, um... Well, I came from Florida, so let me start there. And um, I thought, I didn't realize when I came to Texas how different it could vary from state to state. Um, Florida required a four-year degree. You had to have four years experience under a licensed surveyor, and then you have to take your exam. Um, Texas, there's different options, which is very nice. Um, you know, if you have your four-year degree, you can take your FS and I think you have to have two years of experience. Um, and then I think it varies depending on that. So associates, I think it's a little different. Um, and I think you can even, I don't know. I'm not sure of like the details, but I do think that's really nice because not everybody mm -hmm. can or wants to go to a four-year degree. Um, and I think that it provides a lot of opportunity for people. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree with that. Tyler, what, how about you? What are your thoughts on that? You know, Tennessee has like five options. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's the four year degree, then there's just like the survey certificate, and then there's like 10 years of provable experience where yep. you have to have like documented every minute that mm -hmm. you surveyed. But I, I think the education portion is important. I think there are things that you, there's background information that you get in the classroom that you don't always get from on the job training. And sometimes there's more of that why there in the classroom than there is in the field. You In the field, you might get, well, this is how I was trained to do it, and this is why they said it worked. But, uh, you know, you understand more of that once you get into the classroom portion of it. Yeah, no, all good points. How about you, AJ? So I think you have to have your classroom element, your uh, education background, because, I mean, that's part of keeping the profession a profession um, is having that, that education. Um, I mean, I wouldn't go to a doctor who didn't go to med school. And I know that's a little, little more serious than land surveying, um, but I think it's important as far as keeping the profession a profession. Um, I do wish that I know it's changed recently in Tennessee. And I say recently, probably the past six, seven years, you had if, uh, any of your prior surveying experience, those hours counted before your degree. Mm. So like, let's say I got my degree, but I had been surveying for in my, in my case, six years, I could have used that time and 
basically paid it forward and that would have taken time after my fs that uh that amount that four years after my fs to get my pls and i barely missed that mark Hmm. um and so that's that's my thoughts and opinions on that really yep yep go ahead nick so my take is i i like the combination slash option models And reason being is, yes, I I do agree that the education adds value. Yes, absolutely. But then again, I believe that if the experience is, um, if, if, if it's structured correctly, you could actually obtain the same result without the education and where that advantage is is for people that a you know start families early or you know they, ju- they just get put into a situation where they have to work like they can't you know stop working to take on student loans because they provide for a family um mostly i mean that, that that's that's i guess the the, the target that needs to um that they can't just take time off from work, just focus solely on school. And, and that's why I think that, you know, the online school options, you know, that adds value for the states that um, you have to have a degree in order to get your license. Mm-hmm. But then again, um, I, I, I think that you, you should have this, the option slash combination, um, you know, equation for licensure. And, 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 and the reason why I say that is because my dad, I mean, he has been serving for, gosh, how old am I? 26. So he's been serving for about 28, 30, 30 plus years. Um, and he, he doesn't have a degree, but he is licensed in two States and he is probably the best surveyor I've ever met. Yep. I mean, I come here and I'm exposed to other, you know, licensed surveyors that have the education piece. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's completely unbiased too, that the, where my dad considers um, like his certain calls that he makes when he's resolving a boundary or things like that. It's, it, it, it's, it's above and beyond um, in comparison to, you know, other people. And, and he didn't go to school for that. You know, he, he, he did it in the military uh, just like Tyler did. Um, and then he got out and he, ha- he started a family, you know, and he, he couldn't not go to work. Like he had to go to work. And because, you know, California and Oregon, they don't require necessarily a degree, but they they have that that experience or experience and education combination. Um, it, it opened opportunity for him to be a professional, and I mean he owns. Uh, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, he owns probably one of the most dominant land surveying companies in the entire Willamette Valley in Oregon. I mean he, the, the 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 numbers that he brings and. And the value that he provides to the entire state, it's, it, it's crazy. And he, he doesn't have a degree. Uh, is it safe to assume he had a really good mentor? You know what? Um, I've, I've know, I know all of his mentors. I mean, so the, the person he ended up buying the company from is the person that, uh, I guess, was his licensed surveyor growing up. But honestly, yes, he had good-ish mentors. Um, what he told me and, 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 and after working with people that have been with the company that he now owns, um, before they, they worked for the company before he bought the company and I, I've actually worked with them and they, they weren't necessarily the greatest mentors. Um, he had to figure out himself. Like he had to, you know, he was thrown in the fire. He said, Hey, the only way that I'm going to do this is if I figure it out myself, he taught himself, he read all the books, you know, like he, he literally, he, he's taken classes, you know, to help him get, 
you know, through the, the, the licensure experience, but he's never actually gone to school to be a surveyor. Yeah. You know, like being a surveyor can be at times one of the most helpless feelings as far as like you can be on an island sometimes and having to make a very crucial decision and not have somebody to bounce it off of. And that is a scary situation. Yes. So yeah. I think we have our uh, youngest geoholic over there with uh, Tyler. I know it. I know it. Look at that. Cutie. All right. One other topic I want to make sure we touch on, and that is like the importance of, you know, not just the land surveying community, but like the geospatial community working together, you know, the importance of the land surveyors working with the GIS professionals and, and things like that. Um, I, for one, you know, find that that is a necessity uh, and that we should be doing more in that more of that as well as the other disciplines just because if surveyors aren't careful the direction things are going right now it could get to the point where all we do is legal boundaries and everything else is going to be it's going to be acceptable for everybody else to do topos and do you know fly drones and do 3d scanning it's not going to take a surveyor to do that that's that's a fear so it's important that we all work together would you guys agree with that I agree. Yep. Tyler, you got some? I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the main part of our license is so we can stamp, you know, say that, yes, this boundary is where it is or where our best professional opinion of the boundary is. But in all those other things that go along with it, you know, we have a better understanding of errors than your average person. You know, and so those errors that go along with the drones and the LIDAR and, you know, the topographic surveys, you know, you want somebody that has had to reduce those things by hand or, you know, at least had to be on them physically, you know, to produce these products. That's a good point. Yep, for sure. AJ, did you have something to add? No, not right now. Not right now. All right. So let's kind of close it out with this. What are you guys uh, most excited about moving forward and in regards to your surveying or your career in general? Um, Anissa, I'll let you go first. I'm excited to see where technology takes us. Um, I think automation is going to be huge. Um, I think, I think there's, it's, we're always adapting and I'm just excited because I feel like in the future, um, I don't know, it's just interesting to see how we're going to adapt and evolve as surveyors. You mentioned talking about geospatial and land surveying and how do we, how do we know, like bring them together? I feel like at least I'm, I am currently doing that. Um, it just depends on the scope. It depends on, you know, what's the best for the job really good point there so what is like how do you stay up with technology and how rapidly it's advancing what are what are some suggestions that you could provide for uh for folks on on, on that topic um a lot of my training has been either through my school or um with people that have had the knowledge and experience with those programs um there's definitely resources like let's say you want to learn arc you know pro you can go on the esri site and there's free classes available throughout um really just if you're interested in something do your research and ask around 
And like you said, there's a ton of information available online, whether it be YouTube channels and things of that nature. There's some really good, there's some, some people out there doing some really good stuff on YouTube for sure. Uh, Tyler, how about you? What are you excited about moving forward? So uh, I'm going to take it back to the military side for sure. a second. So, you know, uh, remember Keegan Lumley that was on the oh, yeah. yep. last time? You know, he's an Air Force surveyor. Well, they transferred that over to Space Force. Oh, wow. awesome. That is cool. They transferred that MOS over to Space That's Force. That's awesome. What do they call him now? Uh, I think it's the same name, the uh, engineer. engineering aid or engineering technician, whatever it is. That's that awesome. Calls them. They're surveyors, but, though. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about space survey. You know? <laughs> hey, I, that's you know, where we're developing next. Right, absolutely. And then how that affects, like, international law. Because, you know, now you yeah. know, no country can officially oh, own space yeah. outside of Earth. So what is that going to do to international survey law? I got chills. <laughs> yeah, that is a great topic. So, 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 so okay, let, let's expand on this a little bit. Like, this deserves its respect, right? So, the original surveyors, I mean, when we think of them, you know, yeah. uh, l- l- let's just talk about Lewis and Clark, right? They surveyed the Columbus River. They, 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 they headed out west and started surveying that, right? And then the same thing with the, the Continental Railroad. They were surveying undeveloped land, right? So it's crazy. Trailblazers. Yes. It's crazy that the Air Force said, hey, we created this new branch of military, right, called the Space Force, right? And what we're doing next is we're, we're going to outer space, and they're going to be the ones that are going to be surveying the moon, surveying Mars, <laughs> things like that. So it's like, so it's like that, the, the concept. So actually, this, add values, this adds a lot of value to the profession. No, it really does. Because... Up until now, yeah. we haven't had to survey land that has never been touched. But now, now as as we uh, expand as a society, uh, uh, or as just human beings in general, we're going to be doing what the original surveys surveyors did in another planet. And that, that is awesome. I, I, I think that it is amazing that the air force actually gave that to the space force. I mean, that, that's going to be awesome. I might join the air force just so I can be a space force. Surveyor. No, 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 no. You join the space force now. You don't oh, okay. like, like you go talk to a space force recruiter. They have their own rank structure and everything yeah. like that. Um, I'm because too old and colorblind and they wouldn't want me. You're probably right. <laughs> How about you, AJ? What are you excited about moving forward? I'm just ready for a GPS that I can use in the woods. <laughs> uh, Carlson Brick I Seven. About, I don't know about going to uh, space and surveying the moon, but I'm just ready for a GPS that I can take out of the truck and walk right into the woods with, and do whatever I need to do. I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I I just got done surveying in Oregon, which was the woods, and the new update for uh, we were using R10s, but also the R12s. It got per. It, it got, did really well underneath tree coverage, but the brick seven, oh my goodness! Like I would be sitting underneath thick trees, I'd, I'd I would I would be good. It'd be like wow, I can't believe this is a thing. Carlson getting some love tonight. They are, eh? They are a friend of the program, so it's not a free plug. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Tate, what are you excited about, man? Um, I keep doing that. Um. <laughs> 
you know, I'm just kind of excited for it all, like um, getting more familiar with some of the CAD stuff <laughs> and just being able to work with Nick out in the field. Um, so, something about working outside, you know, just like a long day, hard work, or long, hard days of work outside with with uh, a buddy, you know, it just it just feels so good at the end of the day. And then and then going over to the office and and seeing that come to life, you know, it's it's good stuff. So I'm just I'm just excited for more of it and just to understand more how it works and to just you know get exposed to all the sides of surveying. A little bit of Tate's background. I mean, he's been surveying for honestly less than a week, and I took him out to the field in Arizona midsummer. It was like 110, 115 degrees, and I was like, "Dude, I am so sorry you're getting introduced to this in the worst possible weather you can, but there's a lot of positive things about this." And he loved it. He loved his first day out in the field. He was like, "We were digging for monuments." The second day we did we did the topo, he just he really enjoyed it, and then. After that, I brought him back into the office. Uh, what was it, Tuesday? And I, 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 it was it was pretty simple. There were a bunch of tops and toes, and we used contours basically to establish the elevation. And I lined him out on construction calcs, and he he did it. And I came back and I checked it, and it was it was spot on. I mean, I, that back to what I was talking about earlier. I feel like what we should do more of is introduce new surveyors to more than just being a rodman. I mean, he literally did all of the construction calcs alone. And I came back and I, I checked it. I, I didn't change any of the elevations. They all matched. They were perfect. Uh, where he put the points on the lines and things, like it, it all matched perfectly. All I did was edit a few aesthetic things. And, it, you know, it, he's been surveying less than a week. <laughs> and well, proper guidance. Yes, proper guidance. Proper, proper guidance, guidance. Yeah, sure, so. for sure. Yep, you took the time to show them how to do it, and um, you know, kudos to you for that. That's awesome. Yep, for sure. Um, what else? I mean, I, I don't really have anything else. Tyler, first of all, you know, thank you for uh, kind of pulling this together. It was your your suggestion, and you pulled this group together. So I really appreciate that. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you uh, you want to add? Hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I think we covered a. A good amount of everything that, that we we should have talked about. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the other states like uh, training opportunities are, internships, internships, you know, things like that. But um, I, I, I think we hit the high points pretty well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And thank you again for pulling this together. Uh, AJ, any uh, final words? Absolutely. No, nothing. Nothing for me. Uh, just glad to be a part of it. Glad to, you know, start my, my networking journey, I guess you would say. Absolutely. So I appreciate it. For sure, for sure. Um, and I'll, are you guys, I mean, I, I know, Tyler, you mentioned your social media with the military surveyors. AJ, are you on social media as well, on Instagram and all that? Well, I have an Instagram, but I haven't used it in I don't know how long. Um, outreach, outreach, AJ, I mean, outreach. Right, right, yeah, I really don't. He's going to blow up after okay, this. I, don't, I, don't, I think I think I AJ is going viral. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't think I'd know what to do if I looked at a picture that had more than 12 views. I might have a heart attack. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, good stuff. Thanks for being here, AJ. Uh, Nissa, how about you? Actually, Nissa, I think uh, we asked this question to some of the guests, and I think you can uh, maybe give us what your mantra is. Ooh. Or mantra. 
however you want to say it. What, what is like your mantra. mantra that you would want to bestow upon this group and whoever might be listening? I, I guess just treat everyone with kindness. You never know what people are going through. Good point. Love that one. I, I love, love that. Yeah. Love that. Uh, for, for this conversation, that is that is the best mantra. Yeah. For life in general. Anything else, Anissa, that uh, you want to get out there that we didn't touch on? Um, honestly, I think we hit everything. Um, it was a pleasure to be here. So thank you all. Oh, thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Uh, Tate, I'm going to put you on the spot. Anything you want to add? Go survey. Make survey great again. Yeah, make survey great again. The hat, the hat you gave me today. <laughs> it was a cool little gift. It's uh, yeah. awesome. All right, Nick, final word. How about you? Let's just make survey great again. Uh, yeah. What are, you, what are you excited about moving forward? There's too much to be excited. There's just nothing but opportunity. Yeah. What about uh, manifest that shit? Let's manifest that shit, guys. And let's make it make it happen. <laughs> make it happen, exactly. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Adding value and making friends. That's what we do here at the Geoholics. Thanks to our loyal friends of the program, just like Cyanic Automation, for believing in us. Be sure to mention you're a Geoholic when you reach out to any of our friends of the program for those exclusive listener promotions. Download the Geoholics app from LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Yes, we have an app. Do you have it on your phone, Nick? I do. Oh, right on. There you go. Send us an email at info at the geoholics.com. If you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show, just like Tyler, reach out, suggest a topic. Let's make this happen. We'd love to hear from you. Last but not least, pay it forward. Add value, make friends, the black moods, big time available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, it's not what you have, but who you have. And that applies in the profession. Absolutely. And most importantly, be safe and healthy. Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, badelf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com. Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com. North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com. ProStar Corporation, prostarcorp.com. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us. Topodot, new.certainty3d.com. And finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.